the world's most advanced color correction tool for Mac just got more powerful. DaVinci Resolve 8 from Blackmagic Design. With XML import, export, multi-layer timelines, curve grading, noise reduction, stabilization, 3D alignment, OpenCL, and more. DaVinci Resolve 8 is available from $995. Current users can download the update for free. And try DaVinci Resolve Lite, a reduced featured version that's still packed with power. Visit www.blackmagic-design.com What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to the cutting room, and, well, I did it. I got Lauren Woodcock in here. For cowl, but yes, I'm here. And we've got the final part of my interview with Jeffrey Wolf. And if you haven't heard the other ones, we've been talking about comedy editing and how to approach working with directors and what have you. I, I encourage you to go check them out. We've also had a ton of things happening on the website. If you haven't been to the website in a bit, go to AOTG.com and on the right hand side you'll notice a uh, new tag box and it sort of helps us gauge what's going on in the industry because we're getting feeds from around the world right now. And we also have something, and if you're listening to the podcast, you're just getting this, so it's hot off the press, a new infographic. If you remember last year, we released an infographic on the theories that have been going around from all the way back to the 1800s up to now, all the theories of editing. And we got in touch with a company called Enriched Books who did the history of editing technology. It's a two volume set. Very cool. So we teamed up with them and created this infographic of the history of editing technology. So go to AOTG.com and there will be a big logo there to just to the right of the main feed that says infographic. That sounds very cool. Yeah. So it's t it's been a long working progress. And yet the first time I've ever hearing of it. Yeah. There's so secretive. So secretive, Gord. I know. Even, wait a second. Did you shave off some of your mustache? I shaved off the bars. Oh my gosh. So secretive, Gordon. So Gord had a full beard for Movember, which is, Still we, going. that's something to discuss too, because I don't think that's even allowed. Anyways, he had a full beard up until I arrived at the grocery store tonight to meet him. And all of a sudden he just had handlebar, gross, big, dirty rocker handlebars. So I'm so sorry if that's what you have on your face right now, anyone else listening. And then, <laughs> but not the best look for Gord. And also very surprising when I just started to get comfortable with the whole beard situation that we were I working like with. I like to change things up. Oh my God. Now I'm looking at him and he doesn't even have the handlebars, he just has mustache. Because a very I was... nasty 70s cops mustache. Yeah. But it's true, I was in a very bad mood because it was gross and he was... All right, well. That infographic sounds amazing. Thank you. We have a new game we're gonna be playing instead really? of forward film, film review. Oh my gosh, this is like a, I'm a guest today. I know, well you haven't been here for so long, three episodes. Tell me all about it. Well, Claudia Krask from the San Francisco Cutters mm -hmm. group, she helps put on the super meets and what have you. She came up with a new game for us. We're gonna tackle that after the uh, interview. I just want to tell you, Claudia, so every once in a while, Gord will give me a piece of paper with some notes on it, and on this one, you are named THE Claudia Krask, so way to go, because no one, no one is allowed to have that Gmail account. You are THE Claudia Krask. Congratulations. And finally, the open course. I posted something on aotg.com slash cutting room. Mm -hmm. uh, we've gotten lots of feedback. We're going to be... Um, Hopefully launching our Kickstarter in January. 
Awesome. And uh, we've got few we've got a few teams growing to help us get this done mm -hmm. and uh it's it's getting exciting awesome. we do have a website up but we're filling it in with information so i can't give you the address just yet so just while speaking of kickstarter and mustaches and such if you want to donate money towards the Movember, I know it's like really tail end of it yeah. now. Like there's hardly any time left and there's also nothing in the account. Mm -hmm. So um, if you want to give Gord a couple dollars or me for my trouble of having to watch the progress of this sad, he, it's a very full mustache, full beard, all of that. But it is, you know, it's hard on the wife. So um, you can search the editor's group, the editor's group or just Gordon Burkell. Yep, on the Movember site. Yeah, and we tried setting up a group so that it was just editors. Mm -hmm. And then we got a bunch of, we got a couple of local ones that I work with. And then I was like, well, why isn't, why aren't we getting people from Australia, the UK, right. the US? Because we've worked, yeah. you know, we've got a lot of people listening from around the world. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that the Movember site wouldn't let our group get people from outside of Canada. So it was Canadian for a Canadian group. So unfortunately, I apologize to those because I know some people tried to sign up and I got a bunch of emails saying we can't get in. I am um, sorry that Gordon is But you are so able difficult. to donate to us because cancer is crappy. We yeah. all know it. We've all had someone, Seriously. someone close to us hurt by it in yeah. some way. So help us fight it. I have a ridiculous mustache. If you want to see what I look like with a ridiculous beard. I posted some photos. Yeah, and I just took some photos in the grocery store today of him with his ridiculous handlebars that were fleeting, but I caught one picture or two pictures of it. So maybe we can post those and then we can post a picture of you right now. Yeah. Yeah. I like to change things up, you know. Yeah, keep me on my toes. Yeah. One other thing before we get started, Lauren. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to thank Norman Holland for pointing out we had a small mistake in the last episode. Ugh, when I leave, things just fall, fall to the pieces. pieces. Yep. Uh, in the title, or in the, sorry, in the description on iTunes, it said Jeffrey Ford. And it's because I was working on a few interview pieces from the Jeffrey Ford interview, when I was also putting up the Jeffrey Wolf interview. So... That happened. Yeah. So I apologize to Jeffrey and Jeffrey. Norman, you, sir, have an eye for detail. You are not just a podcast listener, you are a podcast reader, and I respect that. That's all. Yes. Congratulations for your, like, he would be excellent at doing work with my company. <laughs> we need people <laughs> like you. Get in touch. Well, I think he's, I think he's a little busy with the uh, university in California. Whatever. <laughs> Don't limit yourself, Norman. Don't limit yourself. Yeah. I've got a great entry level role, probably. <laughs> That's like what everything is in my company. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm sure he'll consider it. Great. Great, um, great, great. But please enjoy my interview with Jeffrey Wolf. So with any film, there are many elements that are in the script that might have been reworked or may need further development in the editing room. And I felt like this film was fully formed in John Waters' head. But there's things like the words flashing on the screen subliminally uh, or the montage moments, which we were just talking about. Were these things that came from the script or did they require any reworking in the edit room? If they were developed in post, how those were all developed in post. John okay. came in one day and saw this was on Cecil B. Demented. He came in and he saw a scene missing yeah. up on the screen for for something that we had, and he said, 
can you leave that there? I'm going to go home and get my camera. And he went home and he got his camera and he shot it and it became a t-shirt. <laughs> In fact, it became, weirdly, it became like a very popular seller after 9-11, which, um, you know, like I think there's a picture of, it might even have a picture of the World Trade Centers or something. But John is a, he's an artist in that regard. I mean, he's, it's all conceptual kind of stuff. And that four-year consideration thing was just sort of a, kind of a funny idea in his mind. I mean, you know, we're told not, I'm in the academy, we're told not to lend out the DVZs that they send us, and they also tell you uh, to destroy them when you're done with them. And so he has a photograph in his, he, he, he does photo exhibitions, and he has this giant photograph, like 10 times the size of, of this, and it's him in a tuxedo and a a scarf wearing like um, velour loafers and on the ground are all his DVDs from that year and he's setting them on fire. You know, it's just like, that's just John. He just sort of sees the world in a very different yeah. sort of way. Yes. Very unique way. Yes. I get, like for Adam, for the jump to Billy Madison, yeah. for Adam Sandler, uh, he came from Lorne Michaels, SNL. Did his experience on that affect the cutting in any way? Yes. Well, first of all, you know, I was offered, when I say offered, I was up for Dumb and Dumber. And I kind of, I read the script and I said, this is so stupid and I don't see how I can do this. And, and then we know what happened. And um, so when they sent me Billy Madison, it was very, I mean, it was right after Dumb and Dumber. That kind of humor was not yet the way it is. You know, that's why I think Billy Madison's become kind of a cult Thing because it really didn't see that much airtime back in the day. And so, I mean, I have a couple stories in that regard. Number one is my son was nine at the time, and he was up in Toronto with us, and he would sit with Adam during the dailies, and the crew would kind of sit in the back. And the two of them would be up front just laughing their heads off at everything. <laughs> and we were all going, is this funny? I don't know if this is funny. Do you think it's funny? <laughs> so we got through the first cut, and we went... The producer, Bob Simons, wanted to do a preview of it before showing it to the studio. So we previewed it out of town in um, Phoenix, Arizona. He didn't tell the studio about it. We kind of flew in the dark of night and we, we screened it to a bunch of skaters and, and, and kids in, in Phoenix and it scored like a 95. And that's when we kind of knew what it was. And you know that whether Universal had the equipment to be able to market something like that is something else. but we kind of understood and I mean it's become the movies become part of the vernacular yeah you know? did you have any troubles uh, with the kid actors because kids tend to be a little rougher around the edge acting wise I don't remember them being the kids who we needed to be mm -hmm. strong were strong okay but I mean it's not it's not always easy in holes it was a little easier those kids I think Shia LaBeouf and you know they, they had a little more sense of what acting was at that point. Yeah, and they were all pretty strong actors. For a movie like The Ref, where Dennis Leary plays the lead and handles much of the comedic timing and delivery, uh, we see a lot of that a lot of the humor is in a rapid-fire dialogue delivery and the frustration at the dysfunction of this relationship that he has to deal with. How would you approach these comedic moments, and how does this differ from editing scenes that relied more on the sight gag, something like Billy Madison, which was more well, visual? Dennis has his own rhythm, and, and what I was saying before, if you don't go with Dennis's rhythm, I think you hurt 
you hurt the comedy. And I mean, he's kind of a shut the fuck up kind of guy, you know? I mean, it's, it, it kind of, I mean, even when you say shut the fuck up, it sort of has a, it has sort of a, an arc to it. Yeah. So if you just sort of imagine that the punchline of everything that he says is shut the fuck up, <laughs> you can kind of like get where, where, you, where you're supposed to be with it yeah. in, in a lot of ways because he's saying, you know, like, and, and this came from a, Ted Demi did um, a bit with him for MTV where they commented on different things. He would like do a, a two minutes on soccer yeah. and they would be these like flash cuts of funny things Dennis would say about soccer. And um, it, it, it's just, it's his particular cadence. Yeah, so I, I found that if you go, and, and Ted knew how to direct Dennis too, kind of got it. And I think if you look at uh, Kevin Spacey's performance in, in American Beauty, you really can see some of that same character of his from the ref. And I think he kind of got some of Dennis's rhythm and he under, he's such a good actor that he kind of got yeah. how Dennis sort of did that, you know? And you listen to Jon Stewart, and they're very close friends, yeah, but you yeah. listen to Jon Stewart, but you hear Dennis's pattern in Jon sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, I love um, watching the two of them talk on doing interviews because they get each other. Yeah. And so they just riff almost. They just like watching two jazz There's definitely musicians. a simpatico yeah. kind of thing that happens there. And um, so I think that's, you kind of have to get the kind of humor and the kind of comedian that you're dealing with. Well, Eugene Le- Levy, yeah. you know, he comes out of like the... Um, Second City. Uh, yeah, but also that if you saw that, like the jerk and, yeah. and the kind of long takes where, where the humor kind of... Um, yeah, you could go in a door and out of a door and back in a door. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's, that, that's the kind of humor that he was brought up on. And, and he kind of sees the world in that way. And so he works really well in a Christopher Guest movie. I'm doing, this movie I'm doing also has Catherine O'Hara in it, who's a Christopher Guest kind of Alumni comedian. Here, yeah, yeah and, and she doesn't get work that much, which surprises me because she's so good mm-hmm. in kind of getting, getting that kind of rhythm of what he does. Yeah. So, but again, that's like a, he had a different Saturday Night Live thing. I mean, all those, it was so interesting. Like he did a, he was part of this lifestyles of the relatives of the rich and famous. Christopher Guest used to do a hot dog salesman. Yeah. Who was a relative of Catherine Hepburn. And he used to like, go, you, uh, you know, like kind of yeah. come out with the shaky hand. It was <laughs> There's a running gag in, in the ref of the, him, he gets peed on by the system. And it goes out throughout the film. When you have something like that, like a reoccurring gag, how do you determine where to place it, especially if it's not working where the script suggests? You know, it's funny because I'm going through that a lot in this movie I'm doing now, too. It's, you, you know, it's definitely threes. And if you can't get the first one to work, then the third one's not going to work. Yeah. So it's often sort of getting that to work, and then it kind of takes off from there. And I was just working today on something very much like that. It was trying to get the first one to read. So it also, I would say, again, in a a show where there's a certain amount of drama in it, if there's too many dramatic scenes in a row, you definitely want to cut to the pee scene if you can. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, to sort of lessen the... uh... Yeah, I mean... Well, I just remember when it happened, there was like a cat sound in the first time. Well, it happens in the alarm. Yeah, yeah. The alarm goes off and it gets sprayed. The people I was watching, because I rewatched it with the group, we were all like, do you think they added that so that just to let people know it was a cat? And then right afterwards, he's like, it's fucking cat piss. And we're like, probably not. It was just work. I'm very involved. I mean, on that same level, I'm very involved in the sound editing Mm -hmm. in a comedy because you can make 
I mean, the whole idea of a comedy is to keep making jokes. I mean, there's, it's rare to make like more than one or two, but if you can sort of make funny funnier, if you can make a funny in there, I mean, there, smiles lead to funny. You know, the opposite is true. If, if you have three good, you were asking about rapid fire jokes. If you have three good jokes, sometimes if you take the first two out, you get a bigger laugh on the third one. What you really want is that big laugh. Yeah. It's not three little laughs don't equal a big laugh. Yeah. So you're constantly tr evaluating is this stepping on this? Is there room for it? And sometimes you're throwing out your favorite thing in order to make something else. Yeah. Work. For the movie The Hole or Holes, it's based off of a successful children's book. Did you read the book prior to editing and did it influence you in any way during your editing process? I am a I'm like an actor. I am an avid researcher of everything I work on. Yeah. In, in fact, I mean, I, I went and um, interviewed for a movie called Without a Paddle, which has a, in the script a scene about that's very much like Butterfly. It's this book about this, these women who lived up in trees to keep them from cutting the trees down. And so there's a scene in the movie that's literally based on this idea. And in the interview, I mentioned the book. Yeah. No one had any idea <laughs> about it. So, I mean, sometimes I sort of overdo it. So anyway, so I research everything I do very heavily. If there's books, if there's videos, I'll go see, you know, I'll go see performances. I'll yeah. do, do the best I can. So the movie had very dark moments because I feel that a lot of parents would have been like, oh, it's too dark for my kids, but the kids could have handled it. Did you approach cutting it to sort of lessen the dark darkness or? No, I would say the Holes is a lot like Hunger Games in that the kids knew that book so well yeah. that if you messed with it, they got mad at you. I mean, so many of the talkbacks that we did with that movie dealt with like, why did you make this like this when in the book it's like this? And I always thought this person should have looked like that. I mean, they're very, very specific. So, yeah, yeah. so I think that, you know, there's a, Children's books are interesting. That that movie is scary without being without giving you nightmares. I yeah, think. yeah. It's... So I think that's sort of the intention. Well, um, I have one last question that I ask all the editors, and the that's guilty pleasures. Yeah, what's your favorite guilty pleasure film? <laughs> there are certain films that when they're on, I'll stop what I'm doing and watch them. Okay. And, and they're mostly comedies. And one particular one is um, Groundhog Day. Yeah. Because you can turn it on anytime. Um, I, I watched the, God, the Godfather because I worked on The Godfather for where we combined Godfather 1 and 2 and I know all the lines by heart and so I, I like sort of watching it and sort of just repeating all the lines with the actors and, um, and, and I can watch Big anytime. Yeah, it's a great film. Thank you very much for sure. letting me interview. Sure. That was the final part of my interview with Jeffrey Wolf. Lauren. Yes. We've talked about the open course. Yes. talked about the new tag system, yeah. the infographic, which people can see at AOTG.com. Look yes. for the infographic icon yes. to the right. What else do we have? Well, this isn't on your list, but I'm saying it anyways. If you have been a long time subscriber to this podcast, you will be very familiar with Gord's story. And our story is a little family with our little dog and everything. And you should know that Doug, that our dog is a celebrity now. I don't know if Gord's posted it on I the haven't. AOTG Facebook account, but he should have. So um, I will reveal the company that I work for. And if you go to Indigo, as in the color, I-N-D-I-G-O dot C-A, it's a book company or a book, a book retailer. 
in Canada that also sells gift products and lifestyle products. And Buster is the model for our brand new online only dog um, presents for pups shop for holiday. So if when you're at the website, you go to the gift section and then in the drop down, you select presents for pups, you will find the Buster that makes so much noise during the That interview. makes so much noise and is currently asleep on me. He's on the banner with his uh, special little hoodie on and everything. So go check that out. Send friends and family to the link. We ship all over the place and have some great pet product. And I'm hoping that it sells enough pet product that he can be in the next campaign and that we'll continue doing pet stuff. So it all it's all reliant on the editing community to keep this going. All right, Lauren. Mm -hmm. That that aside, yes. Do you have a new game for us? Oh, apparently I do. So, <laughs> so we have the game. Name. The Claudia Crask okay. has suggested name that, that editor. editor. So we will give three clues, and you need to name the editor that we are speaking of. And I think the first clue might give it away, so I'm a little worried about that. Let's just try it. The rain people. That's the clue rain one. people. That's clue one. Rain That's people. That's clue one. Uh, clue two. Is a big fan of Curzio Malaparte? Yes. I know you got the last name right. I'm not 100% sure about the first. Curzio. I don't know. Has, and I'm sure that's someone really important that I'm not familiar with. And clue three. He has one Oscar for film editing. And by one, I mean O-N-E. And that's all. That's it. So, the Rain People is a big fan of Curzio Malaparte, and he has one Oscar for film editing. Yes. Now, if you know the answer, you can email us, info at aotg.com, Facebook us, facebook.com slash artguillotine, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash artguillotine. You can always keep the conversation going on Twitter, Facebook with us. We were talking, we're throwing out questions every so often come join us. What's interesting is, I don't know if anyone else will have noticed this, but whenever I'm on the podcast, I usually say that stuff. I kind of like that you're saying it because sometimes it's hard to say like facebook.com slash art guillotine. It just doesn't roll off the tongue, but it's like it's been replaced. Mm. Continue. I do have one other thing to say. Mm. As everyone knows, the cutting room and that post show have been sort of encouraging you to check out each other's podcasts. If you haven't, Go see That Post Show. Go on to iTunes, type in That Post Show, listen to it. I know that the last episode got rave reviews because I had people email me oh, awesome. saying that they're glad that we told them about That Post Show. Cool. So. But come back to Go us. check. Yeah. Don't leave us. No. You don't. It's not a one for one system. You can Actually, subscribe Norman to was, as many as you like. Norman was on That, that Post <gasps> Show. That was the one that he. Someone from England, Norman, really liked That Post Show with you on it. Norman cannot get enough good feedback. Mm -hmm. He cannot. So check that out. Make sure to rate their podcast, rate our podcast, check out our apps. We do have a few new toys coming in December. So Lauren, I think that's time we wrap up. I want to thank Jeffrey Wolf, mm -hmm. Lauren Burkell. That's me. As well as the American Cinema Editors for setting this up. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.